Our scripture lesson this morning, we've read one of them, Psalm 100. We did that responsively, but our second lesson is a gospel lesson, Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 25. This actually comes from that section of Matthew's gospel that we call the Sermon on the Mount. And so I'm going to ask you to stand as you are able for the reading of the Holy Gospel. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. This is the word of God for the people of God. may be seated. Have you ever slowed down enough or have you slowed down enough recently to contemplate all of the awesome, amazing powers that are loose in the world today? Some of them frightening. Think about Hiroshima and Nagasaki. They mark the spots where one such power was unleashed. Nuclear power, atomic power. The debate continues, is this massive power our friend or our foe? Or both. The powers of darkness, the power of evil. Many folk today dismiss such notions. But I strongly agree with the statement heard someone say it years ago. The church needs to realize that there is another team on the field. There is a power. Or there are powers at loose in the world strongly opposed to the things of good and the things of God. Jesus acknowledged such a power early in his ministry. You remember the confrontation he had with the Satan or the tempter in the wilderness immediately following his baptism. Awesome powers at loose in the world today, but not all of them are bad. Not all of them are to be dreaded. As Christians, we say it with our lips, we believe it in our hearts, and sometimes we even act it out in our life. The power of good, the power of God at work in the world. And one of the ways that God's power is made manifest in the world today and always has been is the power of gratitude. I'm going to share with you a study actually it came on a web md thing um, a while back and it came from the university of georgia and it's a 
and I can say positive things about the University of Georgia, I wanted you to hear that, that uh, this is an important study. And, uh, but anyway, it, uh, about gratitude, it begins, happily married couples are often asked about the secret to their marital success. A new study suggests that it may be as simple as remembering to say thank you. For the study, University of Georgia researchers surveyed 500 married people about their finances, communication with their spouse, and whether their spouse expressed gratitude. The most important predictor of marriage quality was gratitude from a spouse, the investigators found. We found that feeling appreciated and believing that your spouse values you directly influences how you feel about your marriage. How committed you are to it, your belief that it will last, study author Ted Futris said in a university news release. And he's an associate professor in the College of Family and Consumer Sciences in Athens. The ancient psalmist realized that gratitude provided access to the throne of God. How important is that? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. Gratitude has been defined as a memory of the heart. Webster's list gratitude is a noun, but gratitude is more than a noun, more than a thing, more than a feeling. Gratitude becomes real and becomes powerful as it is expressed and lived out in our lives day after day after day. It becomes powerful. So let's think together for a few moments about some of the powers in this world that gratitude has power over is more powerful than some of these other powers that are out to harm us. And at the same time, I want us to think of gratitude as an antidote. Anything that will counteract or remove the effects of poison or disease or the effects of evil. Gratitude has power over fear. And one of the greatest fears we have, and we've talked about this not just at stewardship time but often, is the power that we will not have enough stuff or enough energy or enough resources to thrive for the remainder of our lives. That fear that somehow, some way we're going to run out. Several years ago, my mother and dad were cleaning out the refrigerator at my grandmother's house. She was non-ambulatory. She was in her last days. And so they were there helping out and cleaning out the refrigerator. And they told me that they found package after package after package of margarine. Some of the dates had long since expired, but there was a whole shelf in the refrigerator full of just margarine. Apparently, my grandmother had been living for a long time under the illusion that the little blue bonnet girl was going to quit making margarine. And so every time she went to the store or sent somebody to the store, they came back with another pound of margarine. It was amazing. Fear that there won't be enough. It causes some folks, some church folks, not to give as generously as they would or could or should. It makes otherwise generous and gracious folks stingy and selfish. It can rob you and me of the joy of living if we're not careful. Verse 26, in the gospel lesson, Jesus said, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than a bird? 
Gratitude has power over the fear that there won't be enough. Instead of concentrating on what we might run out of, why not give thanks for what we have now and think back and give thanks for all that we've always been provided? Is God going to quit giving? Is God going to run out of stuff? And as we cultivate that attitude, our gratitude will defeat our fear. Johnson Oatman Jr., one of the most important, prolific gospel songwriters of the late 19th and the early 20th centuries. He was born near Medford, New Jersey, 1856. And as a child, he became acquainted with the hymns of the church through the singing talents of his father. At the age of 19, he joined the Methodist Church and became a local church pastor and ministered to many congregations. He wrote over 5,000 hymn texts. And I wonder, where does this creativity come from? Where do people have the time? Charles Wesley wrote approximately 9,000 hymn texts. Just amazing what God can do through some folks. But the, oh, Johnson Oatman Jr., the course of his best-known hymn, reminds us to count our many blessings, name them one by one. Count our many blessings, see what God hath done. It's a great little song. I don't think it's in the current hymnal. I believe it may be in the Cokesbury hymnal, and you need to come to one of our Cokesbury hymn sings, and, and we'll sing that song for you and with you. Count your blessings, see what God hath done. Gratitude is an antidote, a powerful antidote for fear. Gratitude also has power over resentment and bitterness. So many folk in this world are resentful and bitter about people who have more than they do, more than we do. And too often we become bitter. I want you to listen, if you will, for just a moment to some words out of a prayer of confession. This prayer of confession is in our United Methodist Book of Worship. And it's a prayer that, that I have to wrestle with and, and think about. It stirs something within me. Anyway, oh God, source of all that makes life possible, giver of all that makes life good, we gather to give you thanks. Yet we confess that we have often failed to live our thankfulness. What we have we take for granted and we grumble about what we lack. We have squandered your bounty with little thought of those who will come after us. We are more troubled by the few who have more than by the many who have less. Forgive us, O God. In this hour of worship, accept our thanksgiving and teach us to make gratitude and sharing our way of life through the grace of Jesus Christ. More troubled by the few who have more than by the many who have less. That hits pretty close to home for me sometimes. Resentment kicks in. Bitterness soon follows. And wherever resentment and bitterness go, their first cousin cynicism tags along. But gratitude is a more powerful force, isn't it? Isn't it a more powerful force than bitterness and resentment and cynicism all combined? Thomas Pettifus wrote a beautiful prayer of thanksgiving in a book that, that he was the author of. It's called Visions of a World Hungry. Visions of a World Hungry. And let me share just a little piece of that prayer. He said, Lord, only one in ten return to give thanks to you, or so the story goes, about the lepers that you healed. It is tragic, but I confess, Lord, that is probably the right percentage for me 
counting the number of times that I give thanks to you. Life has its downturns when I move to pray, but it has more joy and therefore more causes to rejoice with thanksgiving. In my life, I'm discovering deeper thanks, he said, or perhaps understanding, meaning what giving thanks is all about as I learn to live life in a more profound dimension. I've been thinking too about the countless millions who are more justified than me in keeping their thanksgiving in. Troubling, who despite living in the streets and eating the discards of others, sacrifice what they have so that someone else might survive. For these I give thanks. I hear of others who despite persecution and risk of death stay to minister and serve the poor and the hungry in your name, all the while giving thanks for your love and bounty. For these I give thanks. To the one leper who returned and gave thanks, you said, your faith has made you well. Your salvation brought healing which restored him to God. Now clean, he could find meaningful work and return to a full life. Oh, the miracle of thanksgiving brought to us in the lessons of life. Praise and majesty be yours, O Lord, for the healing of thanksgiving. Thank you. So gratitude exercises its power over resentment and bitterness and through a healing of the resentment and bitterness. Observing those who have more than we do is only one cause of making us bitter and resentful. When someone takes what is rightfully ours, that can do it too. Maybe you've been a victim in that way. Matthew Henry, and some of you might recall that name, a biblical scholar of earlier generations was once accosted by thieves and robbed of his purse, he said. And he wrote these words in his diary. He said, let me be thankful first that I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my purse, they did not take my life. Third, because they took my all, it wasn't much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed Amazing perspective on something like that. I'm not sure I could be that kind and gracious. But losing money or things pales in comparison to losing folks that we love. Can gratitude still overcome resentment and bitterness even when grief compounds the equation? During World War II, a mother in Cincinnati received a letter from her paratrooper son in which he spoke of a woman in Normandy who had taken him into her home when he was weak and wounded and hungry and hid him from the Germans. Later on, sadly, the boy was killed in another offensive. Yet the mother was moved by an irresistible intention. She saved all she could scrape together for two years, crossed the Atlantic, went to the little village named in her son's letter. And after exhaustive inquiry, she found the woman who had sheltered her son, the wife of an impoverished farmer, and she pressed a package into her hand. It was the gold wristwatch which her son had been given when he had graduated from school, the only object of value that he ever possessed. But not only did this act of gratitude help to heal the mother's heart, It touched the hearts of everyone in the village. Gratitude has power over fear, 
power over resentment and bitterness. Gratitude is the antidote for resentment and, and bitterness and their cousin cynicism. Gratitude also has power over worry and despair. Most of our gospel lessons, Jesus is dealing with worry. What does he say about it? He said, quit it. Stop it. Consider the lilies of the field, the wildflowers, literally. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet even Solomon, in all of his glory, and read back in the Old Testament sometime about the glory of Solomon in his palaces and the cedar timbers and the way the Queen of Sheba was impressed. Solomon, in all his glory, could not compare to one of these flowers, to the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cut down and dried out and thrown in the oven to cook with, to to bake with. They didn't have much wood to chop, so they burned the grass, the flowers. Gratitude helps us to remember clothing and food and shelter and all those other things that God helps to provide for us or provides for us. Consistent expressions of gratitude will continue to overcome fear. In fact, gratitude can nip worry in the bud before it has a chance to flower into full blossom and drive us beyond the brink. Gratitude has worry over power, over worry and despair. It's an antidote. Try it sometimes when you are most worried. Just pause and begin to give thanks for those things that you're certain about. And gratitude has power over arrogance. Gratitude reminds us of our dependence on God. Moses was talking about this, Deuteronomy chapter 8. He was talking to Israel and reminding them, trying to get their attention. He said, take care that you don't forget the Lord your God. When you have eaten your fill and have built fine houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks have excuse me, have multiplied, and your silver and gold and all that you have is multiplied, then do not exalt yourself for getting the Lord your God. I think this is Moses' way of telling folks, don't go around telling people you pulled yourself up by your own bootstraps. This is God's doing. Do not say to yourself, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. But remember the Lord your God, for it is God who gives you power to get wealth. Gratitude keeps ever before us the truth that all we have and all we are and all that we ever hope to be are gifts from the hands of a gracious and loving God. Gratitude is an antidote for arrogance. Fear Resentment and bitterness, throw in some cynicism, worry and despair, arrogance. If these powers are on the list of your enemies, then we need to call on a greater power, or as some folks call it, a higher power to overcome them. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. Reach for the antidote. Don't ever... Take the power of gratitude lightly. Employ it frequently. Handle it carefully. It's an awesome force. And the antidote has great power. Gratitude. Let me 
finish now by giving you an image to think about a prescription bottle, and I think we've all seen one or two or many. Think of a large prescription bottle, and it's an antidote. There's an antidote in that prescription bottle, and follow the instructions on the bottle, and let me tell you what the instructions are so you can remember these maybe. A, take with a meal a blessing on all that is before us. B, take this when you feel great. C, take this when you feel lousy. D, and you'll never see this on another prescription bottle, okay to share with others. (laughs) And then E, overdose, unlikely. And then a strange warning at the bottom. (laughs) This antidote is highly addictive. Amen. Amen.